and welcome to the Trips and Global on Wheels podcast hour. I'm your host, Ming Canada. Trips and Global on Wheels is focused on sharing resources and insights into disability advocacy, fitness and health, and accessible travel. Our mission is to build a community of healthy, worldly, and informed advocates. Each week on our podcast, we interview someone with a disability or someone whose work advances the disability rights movement locally and internationally. This week, I spoke with Paralympian Craig Blanchett. Craig's winning attitude is one to emulate. He shared with us his experience of wheelchair racing, the importance of a positive attitude, and how to be unoffendable. For this episode of our podcast, we apologize that there were some audio issues that we were unable to edit out. We want to just acknowledge this ahead of time so that listeners are aware of this. Thank you for your support and patience. And now let's listen in on that conversation with Craig Blanchett. Hello, Craig Blanchett. Thank you so much for coming on Trips and Global on Wheels to participate in our podcast. So for listeners who don't know him, Craig is a fellow Olympian and Paralympian. He was born with a birth defect called proximal femoral focal deficiency, which I've never even heard of. So I'll ask him to elaborate on that. He became a world-class champion in wheelchair racing, setting 21 world records and earning eight world champion titles. He was born with the desire to compete and to get the most out of every experience. His athletic accomplishments and winning attitude landed him a full Nike sponsorship that lasted him eight years, and today he coaches others to be their best. Welcome, Craig. Hi, thank you, Ming. This is great to be here. It's so fun to watch you all those years ago, starting out with your racing and stuff, and now to see you doing podcasts and all this fun stuff. As I alluded to earlier, tell me about what proximal femoral focal deficiency is. So uh, proximal, it's basically femoral, the F in there. My femurs are really sh- short. So if you if you were to look at a normal person's leg, they would have their hip, then they would have their femur bone, and then it would end at their knee, and then you have the bottom, you know, your tibia and fibula that go down to your foot. So for me, I have my hip, and then I have my femurs about two inches long, and then I have my knee. So it's almost like my hip and my knee are really, really close together. And then I don't have a fibula. I just have the main big bone in the in your bottom of your leg, the tibia. And so I'm not paralyzed. You know, all my plumbing and stuff works. And, and I can walk on my legs to some degree. But because there's a deficiency in the hip joints, it's harder for me to stand. So I use a wheelchair for convenience and for it's just easier. And it's, it's more efficient for me. I, I can do more things. And so, um, but I can get out and crawl around sort of like a monkey, I guess. (laughs) And so I I can crawl around pretty easily. You know, I have a two-story home. And so, you know, we can get around and and all that. How do you get around in your two-story home? I use my wheelchair when I'm on the bottom level. When I go upstairs, I just get out. I just kind of crawl upstairs. I'm on uh, all fours, Mm -hmm. you know. It's it's sort of like if you, if if a normal, normal built person, would be walking on their hands and their knees. It's kind of similar. I would say that would look really, really similar to what it would look like. Although I just don't have the lower end of the leg sticking out the back. You know, my feet. It's just my hands and my feet that touch the ground. 
What kind of wheelchair do you use, and what kind of wheelchair malfunctions are you prone to with your with your chairs over the years? I do hand cycling. I do used to do quite a bit of wheelchair racing. So those are two different types of、uh, equipment. And then you know your everyday wheelchair. And so I think you're primarily thinking about everyday wheelchairs. I started using the Tylite chair probably 15, 18 years ago. It's been quite a while. Of course, because it's made out of titanium, it works really good, very durable, and the ride is very comfortable. For me, the main pieces on a wheelchair that I would have challenges with is just the wear and tear on the tires. I like to go with the hard rubber tires rather、mm-hmm. than the ones with air in them, because、mm-hmm. uh, if you are traveling and you get a flat tire. It's really disabling, and so I've run the hard rubber tires for a long time. So you never get any flats, and and it, the chair just kind of it just gets out of the way unless you get where you need to go. Other things that I would say it's making sure you have a really good cushion. I have the benefit of having full sensation. So if I'm sitting down too long, my butt will let me know, hey, you're sitting down too long. But I still have to be very careful with pressure sores and not sitting down on hard things too much. As I get older. That's more and more of a concern for me, and so I use a Rojo cushion. They seem to work pretty well,、uh, although、um, anything with air in it can be a can be a problem, obviously. So next, we turn to fitness. So why do you think it's especially crucial for wheelchair users to stay fit? I coach a lot of wheelchair users now, and it affects everybody. It just affects people in chairs differently because somebody that stands up and walks around doesn't really transfer from one place to the other. They would just stand up and walk over, right?、Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're in a wheelchair, you don't stand up, so you transfer from your chair to a couch or your chair to your car. And so when you're fit, one of the biggest benefits is mobility, getting from the floor to your chair. If you are at a healthy weight. You can transfer, and you're just more independent. I mean, it's the same thing for people that walk around as well. It, it just affects us in a little bit different ways. And most of the people in, that, that I know that use a wheelchair, well, everybody in life wants to be as independent as possible because the, the things that you can't do that someone has to do for you, there's an added burden on it, and you have to wait. And so you want to be as independent as possible. And being fit as a wheelchair user allows you to be more independent. Taking care of your skin, especially on your behind, taking care of your legs, making sure you take, you know, your any type of wound that you might have heals properly. All those things are just critical. I mean, I work with so many people that are working on their health. They're pretty unhealthy: diabetes, people with cardiovascular problems, people with blood pressure, people with chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia and cholesterol problems. Just so many different issues. And for someone in a wheelchair, the thing that will take you out quicker than all of that is a pressure sore.、Hmm. Like it's just—it's such—it's so important to have a good cushion and to take care of your butt. And if you take care of your butt, your butt will take care of you. <laughs> okay. So, how can wheelchair users stay fit? So, you just say you're a health coach, right? So,、mm-hmm. if this is right up your alley, what kind of、yeah. exercises or recreational activities can they get involved in? Being healthy is a combination of movement, moving the body. It's the ways that you think. And it's the choices you make, food-wise, and so it's a combination of those things. And so the things that I would say 
is find find something that you're interested in. If you like mechanical types of things, then you know wheelchair racing or hand cycling might be more up your alley. If you like things that have like a lot of skill and coordination or where you get to work with a team, then you might want to do a team sport. Obviously, basketball is is a simple one. They've got rugby. They've got uh, sled hockey, you know, things where you're actually having to work as a, as a team. I've never really done a ton of team sports, so I've always done the wheelchair racing, marathons, and track, and then the hand cycling, things like that have been my forte. You know, I do some scuba diving. I'll do pretty much anything for recreation, but it depends on what someone's interest is. To start off with, there's four main components that I talk with people about for long-term health. And one of them is called community. And community, if you break down the one word community into two words, it would be common unity. And so you want to find people that have similar passions in life and then do those things with those people. So you have to think about what kinds of things interest you. And sometimes that's really hard if you pretty much just sort of show up and just kind of get through the day. And a lot of times with the clients that I work with, they actually don't really take a lot of time to think about what they want. And they don't take a lot of time to dream about if they could do something that they're not currently doing that would be fun or challenging, usually those go together, what would that look like? Let's say that they used to ride mountain bikes, then they got injured and paralyzed. Well, they have off-road hand cycles that you can go mountain biking again on a hand cycle. Or if you like to watch tennis, well, you can get involved in wheelchair tennis, you know, and go down to your local racket club and, and ask around and you'll figure that out. But you have to start off with what is something that you like to do and then find a way to do that. A lot of times people like to go hiking. We have lots of trails around here and they like to go backpacking or trail hiking. And so you can figure out some trails that are more wheelchair friendly. Get out in the wilderness and do some fun things and experience, you know, some new experiences and then find some people to go with you. Right now, I'm actually at Portland International Raceway and we are, um, we do every summer, we do the, the PDX Summer Hand Cycle Series. And so for four months out of the year, every Tuesday night, we come out to the track and we ride. And they've got all these hand cycles. They got probably 40 hand cycles out here that are demos, that are equipment. You can just show up and you get fitted into one and then you get to go ride out on the track and doesn't cost you anything you just got to show up you know ask around let's say you live in Oregon well type in wheelchair sports Oregon on Google and see what comes up and start contacting those people and start asking them hey I want to get involved in something what are your options and you'll find there's probably a whole lot more out there than you realize that's what I did when I moved to New York City and just started contacting people. And once you get in contact with one, you usually will. They will get you in contact with others. They usually will yeah. know of other organizations. They're trying to develop community with all the users and getting the people. And one thing that we all have in common, we're human beings, okay? So we all have common unity that we're human. And then many of us will use wheelchairs. Great. So now we were human and we use wheelchairs. So we have two things that bond us together. You know, now if we like sports, now we're human, we're wheelchairs and sports. Right. And so we find the things that will unite us 
and、uh, there's plenty of them out there. Okay, so next we talk about the not so bright side of fitness. So a lot of wheelchair users encounter shoulder problems, elbow tendonitis, carpal tunnel, whatnot. Have you experienced these? And then, if you have, how have you dealt with them? When it comes to shoulder injuries and different kinds of injuries, being in a wheelchair, your your biggest enemy, if you will, is being overweight. And of course, that's most Americans struggle with being overweight. I work with a lot of people that are in chairs. That some of them are quads. They can't even work out. They can't even move their hands. And I'm able to help them actually lose weight, and then it's easier for other people to you know, transfer them. But getting down to a healthy weight is going to be massive benefits, not only on the inside of your body, but also on the outside of your body. Your transfers are going to be easier. Your freedom's going to be easier. It's going to have less pressure on your butt. And there's so many things your body's going to heal quicker. There's so many things that are associated with our weights, basically putting just less wear and tear on our shoulders.、Uh, for me, I've I've been a massage therapist now since 1992, and I've been a professional athlete since 1986. And so I've been around the world of you know physical therapy and massage and training and all that for many years. And so. When you're injured, you can't perform well in in life or in competitions, and so I have paid a lot of attention to that. I haven't had any significant injuries in my racing career from training. I rest well. I pay a lot of attention to my nutrition, and I try to train smart. My old coach that taught me many things, Kevin Hansen, and he just taught me how to really pay attention and be aware of what's going on inside your body. And he always told me when you're exercising or training and there's pain, there's two types of pain: one's discomfort and one's destructive. And he said, learn to know the difference. And if you're ever pushing into pain where something's It's it's hurting you. You need to stop. And so I've I've taken that concept and that principle and applied it my whole life. But I get lots of massage. I do ice. I spend a lot of time on nutrition and recovery and you know getting the right types of proteins, carbs and fats and all that kind of stuff. Now there was one time recently,、uh, 2014. I was in the rock and roll marathon down in San Diego. And at the three-mile marker, they had a, a pretty nice downhill, and then they had a, two 90-degree corners, and then the road got narrow after the second corner because they had a lane of traffic. And so I came down through that, not not knowing the road was going to narrow, and not knowing there would be cars on the course, and came around the corner, and I I couldn't make the corner, and so I hit the car. Broke my whole shoulder and and had to have massive rotator cuff reconstruction and broke some ribs and you know it was pretty gnarly. From that accident, you know I learned what it was like not to be able to use one of my arms for eight months, and、wow. um, that was、uh, well it was painful, but it was also you know you just have to have somebody there to kind of care for you twenty four seven, and so having a shoulder injury for someone that's paralyzed. Is even worse, you know. It's just you want to take care of your shoulders, and you want to keep them strong, and keep your weight at a healthy weight. You know, just take care of them. Yeah, can you elaborate on taking care of your shoulders? There's some strength training, you know, keeping them strong. 
I get regular which gets all the toxins and stuff out. And if there's scar tissue built up, it kind of helps with scar tissue, you know, not doing certain movements. Like a buddy of mine was at wheelchair sports camp, which is down in Minnesota and was getting from his wheelchair onto a horse. And so he turned with his back to the horse and he reached up with his right arm, put it on the saddle. So his arm is extended backwards and it's up. So the tendon in your shoulder, all the slack is taken out of it. And then he put pressure on it because he was contracting the muscles to pull himself up on the horse and something snapped, you know. And so there's certain movements. Anytime you're reaching back and up, you got to be super careful because that's very, very dangerous for your shoulder. You want to learn how your shoulder works and learn how to not push it too far in a bad situation. So next, we're going to move on to a fun section, hopefully, travel. So where all okay. have you traveled to? And what are some of oh. the more wheelchair-accessible places out there? I've been traveling since 1986. Been out of the country many, many, many times. Um, Australia, I've been to China. I've been to Korea for the Olympics. I've been to Belgium and France and been to Africa, Zambia, Lusaka, a number of places in Zambia. And we're all over the United States, many, you know, I don't know if every state, but many, 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 many states. And a lot of that's been racing. When I travel, I'm I'm probably not a very good disabled person. I was because I was born this way. You know, I, I don't expect the world to be built for me because I have a, quite a bit of I've developed a lot of skills. I know how to hop a curb. So if I don't have a curb cut, I can pop a curb. Now, there's some people that even if they had the skills, if they're a quad or a high-level quad, it's just not possible. So uh, I don't expect the world to cater to me. There's certain things. Everybody in the world has things that they can't do. The world's not designed for everyone. And so I realize that that's the case. And there's still plenty of things that I can do. And so I focus on the things that I can do. And then I build as many, as much of my own skill sets to give me even more possibilities. You know, when you're traveling to a, a third world country, it's different than if you're traveling to a first world country. You know, going to Australia is not a problem for a wheelchair user. Going to Zambia is. It's different. You know, you got a lot less concrete, a lot more dirt, you know, and things like that. So it just depends kind of really where you're going. But for me, when I traveled, oftentimes I would travel with uh, racing equipment. And so not only did I have my everyday chair, but I had my some type of hand cycle or, or racing chair. And so there was a lot of gear that I took with me. And so you always have to make accommodations for those kinds of things. But it kind of is just part of the sport. What are some of the biggest challenges you've encountered while traveling? The first one that comes to my mind actually was when we were going to Australia. I think it was back in 2014. And we the connecting flight was in China. And actually, it wasn't a problem actually with being in China. It was I had a compressor for my pumping up my racing tires. And they, because it had a battery in it, they wouldn't allow it to go on the plane with me. And they didn't speak English. That was one of the biggest challenges was just figuring out, because I needed this air pump when I got to Australia to pump up my racing tires. Mm -hmm. And so that was a big challenge. But, you know, there's a lot, when you travel to other countries, you have to be prepared to do more transferring. 
because there's not necessarily transportation with lifts on it and things like that. And so you might have to climb up a few stairs. I would say my biggest advice for when you're traveling is taking care of your butt. My buddy, old racing buddy of mine, Scott Hollenbeck, whenever he travels, he brings three cushions. So he's got his cushion for his chair. He's got his cushion for the shower. And then he's got his transfer cushion. So he has a cushion that he pops out whenever he transfers down onto the ground. So he makes sure that his butt never touches the ground without there being a cushion between the floor and his butt. And he's almost died from pressure sores. So when you travel, just make sure you have good skin care and you take care of your butt because you have more, more transfers when you're traveling and all that. So in terms of travel, and you talked about the language barrier which most everyone experience. And then you talk about the, the cushions and pressure sores. What would make travel more accessible to wheelchair users? What other changes could be made? You know, having ramps is obviously much more accessible than stairs. If it's one stair, it's not too big a deal. It can be lots of stairs going down, but lots of stairs going up is a problem. You know, most of the time it's, uh, it's probably stairs, um, and then depending on the width of your chair, I run a pretty narrow chair and so it can get into just about through any doorway. Some of the chairs will turn better if the wheels have camber, which means the wheels at the bottom where they touch the ground are wider than where they are at the top. But when you have more camber, it makes your chair wider, which means you can't fit as many places. I run a, a tie light now with, I think, two degrees camber or something like that and so it's pretty narrow and it fits it fits everywhere so that's a plus i just sort of take things as they come to me and i just experience travel for what it is and a lot of times people will come to an obstacle they, they have a goal that they want and then they come to an obstacle and the obstacle looks really big at first glance and they say uh i can't i can't fill in the blank I can't get over that curb or I can't get beyond that doorway or I can't get past that thing. And one of my life's mottos is let's just assume that I can. And if I could, what would be the first thing that I'd need to solve? Or another way of putting it is how can I, you know? Mm -hmm. And so instead of, instead of going through life with a series of I can'ts, what if you change those I can'ts to how can I's? When you ask yourself that question, it changes everything because your brain goes from a defeated state to a problem-solving state. It's almost like a um, it's almost like a puzzle that you're trying to put piece together to figure out how you can accomplish the thing you want. And so I've always done that in my life. And so when I travel, it's the same thing. If I want to go see something or do something or experience something. I, I rarely just say I can't. I figure out how can I, and then I, I start problem solving until I get it or until I get to where I actually can't go any further. You're right. When you ask a different question or think about things from a different angle, then your brain starts to go in that alternative direction. In terms of access to resources when traveling, um, say car rentals mm -hmm. or anything like that, can those, those things improve? You can buy a set of traveling hand controls, and a lot of people actually just use the traveling, the scaled-down hand controls in their everyday cars. But I actually just use some doweling with Velcro on the ends, and so I use my feet to actually drive with, and so I just use these um, sticks that make it so I can reach the pedals. So when I travel, I just have a couple 
pieces of sticky back Velcro in my bag. And then I have my two sticks. I get to the car rental place and I just, I usually take off the rubber covering that's on the pedal. And then I stick a piece of Velcro right on the metal. Mm-hmm. And then I put my stick right on it. And then I just drive with my legs just like I do at home. So renting a car for me is not too much more work. I know with um, some car rental places, you can call a couple days in advance and order a car with hand controls. And I've tried that before. And because I didn't really need it, but I just tried it. When I got there, it was the car wasn't ready. And so I was just like, never mind. I have my own. A lot of times people go through life and they just have a lot of expectations that the world's just going to show up ready to go for them. And I don't know if everything was solved for me, life would be boring. You know, you just show up and like, there's just no more challenges in life. And then life just gets boring. So I I like challenges. I like solving puzzles and problems. And I like figuring out ways to get something done. I've got a tandem hand cycle. So my wife and I wanted to ride bikes together. And so I thought it'd be cool to ride a tandem because I'm quite a bit faster than she is. But on a tandem, you stay together. And so I I worked on this project for about four years. And then I made a, a hand cycle that has a, the back person has a hand crank on it. And so we ride that thing all over the place. It wasn't like I could go to the store and just buy one. I had to figure it out. But there was something satisfying about that. So the last question on travel, what are the advantages of traveling in a wheelchair? Speaking of putting a positive spin. I don't know that traveling in a wheelchair is anything great or not great. I just like traveling because you get to meet people. And I just love meeting people and, and learning about their stories. And there's always interesting people in the airports when traveling. And you get to find out where they're going and why they're going. And it's I just always find that fascinating. But that has nothing to do with the fact that in your wheelchair. Although, actually, maybe something I take for granted. Because a lot of people, when you come up to somebody and you're in a wheelchair and you're very comfortable with yourself, then they become very comfortable with you. And you're very disarming. And so I can have conversations with people and build rapport very quickly. So that's how I use my wheelchair as an asset rather than a a disadvantage. You got to use what you have and then you build your skills for the things you don't have. And you can do a lot of stuff in this world. You know, I am definitely not a guy that's saying, poor me, I'm in a wheelchair. I can't use my legs. You know, it's just that's just not the case at all. And and I think it just depends really on how you want to look at your life. And there are so many more things that I can do than there are things that I can't do. And so I just focus on the things I can do. So what are some effective ways that others can advocate for themselves better? I would always assume some people are doing the best they can. Here's a story my wife told me. Uh, I'd get to the airport and I would go to the baggage claim and I wanted I wanted to be independent. So people would come up and try to help me with my bag and I'd tell them I don't need any help. And I did that for for a while. My wife's known me for a long time. We've been married for 26 years and we've been together as friends for 38 years or something. It's a long time. And so she said, notice when you came out the door, you held the door for that lady. She goes, did that make you feel good? And I said, yeah. She goes, I also noticed that when you were unloading your bags, there were a couple of people that wanted to help you and you didn't let them. She goes, does it make you feel good when you're able to help somebody? And I said, yes. And she looked me in the eyes and she said, don't rob people of that experience. And I was like, oh, you're so good for me. <laughs> right? Because 
think about it. When, when, when you're able to help somebody, it makes you feel good. And if you're the one receiving the help, you just got to take your pride and you got to just put it over in the corner and let somebody help you because it makes them feel good. And plus, it's okay to have help. When I'm traveling, I just try to make sure that I'm humble enough and that I let people help. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty independent too, but give people an opportunity to, to feel like they contributed and like they helped you out. And it doesn't diminish you at all to let someone help you. So speaking of that, that was a really great example about your wife just seeing a, a different perspective to what you were used to seeing. How would you change or not change about how others have advocated for you, whether that be your parents, your teachers, um, later on your wife, your friends? Don't forget that hard things make us stronger. Every challenge that you have in your life is going to grow something in you. So do you want to grow or do you want to shrink? When you're coming up to a challenge in your life and it's going to be hard, and so then you make a big fuss and complain about the hard thing, trying to make it easier for you, and then you end up making someone else's life harder. I just think that the, the reality is that when you look at your life and you go and attack hard things, they grow something inside of you and you become stronger. Here's a quote a buddy of mine, Dan Valentine, said. He goes, the hard things don't happen to you. The hard things happen for you. Just let that simmer and let that take place in your life, that the hard things happen to you because they grow something in your character. They grow something in your awareness of others. They grow something in your humility. or They grow something to make you stronger in a certain way, and it's good for us. So how does that relate to how others have advocated for you? Well, coming out here, like, for example, the Portland International Raceway, I wanted to come out here and ride with the cyclists. So I came out and I started riding with the cyclists. And then the next year they said, I'm sorry, but your bike is different because you have three wheels and everybody else has two wheels. And so our rules are very specific. And so you're, you're going to have to figure something else out. And then I was like, okay, well, I still want to race, but I can't race the bikes. How can I? So I had a conversation with them and they said, well, what if we started up a hand cycle series? I said, that sounds like a great idea. And so they went and advocated for me and then worked with a couple other organizations, and then I got involved as well, and then we were able to start up this hand cycle series. So now we advocate for other people by, by coming out here to the track and then providing a place for these for people to come and ride and build community and uh, experience things they might not have ever done before. What are some improvements that you would still like to see with the disability community as far as social progress goes? You know, I, opportunities to, to be able to race more. You know, I like doing hand cycle racing, and so opportunities to race more, you know, have more events that um, have, have hand cycle divisions. If you have a desire to do that, there's a guy back in Wisconsin, and he didn't have a lot of ability to travel. And so he went to the race director, and he said, can we, we start a hand cycle series? And instead of him coming to all of us, he started this really big racing series and all of us came to him. And so this year he had 50 guys that flew into Wisconsin to do racing with him. And so it was really great that he was able to figure out how to overcome one of his obstacles mm -hmm. and provide a, a venue for people to come in and compete at a high level. Okay, so we come to our last question. 
Are you comfortable with being labeled disabled? If not, what other word would you use to conceptualize individuals with disabilities? It's curious when someone would call me disabled because I would say, how did you come to that conclusion? And it's probably just because I use a wheelchair. I mean, we all have things we can do and things we can't do, but there's a lot of people out there that have two working legs that are way more disabled than I am because they're 300 pounds or whatever it might be. Human nature is to categorize people into groups. And so I'm, I'm a wheelchair user, right? Fine. But that's such a small portion. It's like I'm a Nike tennis shoe wearer. You know, why would you even categorize somebody as somebody that wears Nike tennis shoes? I used to be more grumpy about the wording. And here's another pretty strong principle. It's the concept of being unoffendable. And this is where our culture is all twisted and out of shape. You can choose to be offensive to me, but that doesn't mean that I have to be offended. But in our culture nowadays, people think they're looking for things to be offended at. And my life is much, much happier and much more fulfilling living it this way than looking for things to be offended about. You know, and so if somebody wants to call me disabled, whatever, it really doesn't make any difference. I'm not offended by that. And so I'm trying to become unoffendable. And that is what I have in my control 100%, even if you're quite offensive to me. It's really wonderful to take matters into your own control. But what if you didn't have to do that all the time with everything? Because At times, even for myself, I feel like that's kind of exhausting. And to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of the word disabled. So if you could choose any other word to describe this group of people, what would you use? I'm a wheelchair user. I would say that's that's for sure. I'm not disabled. I mean, there's certain things I can't do, I guess. But disabled means not able. And there, yeah, I'm not able to speak French. I can't speak any language except English, so I'm disabled lingually, right? I mean, there's plenty of things that I'm not able to do. Call me whatever you think, but if you call me Craig, I'll probably answer. (laughs) Sounds good, Craig. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much, Craig, for participating in the podcast. We've really appreciated your insights. You betcha. And if people want to find more information on how to get a hold of me, you can go to craveoptimalhealth.com. Craveoptimalhealth.com. And you can get more information and connect with me. And I'd love to meet you. Thanks so much for your time and the interview, Ming. Thank you. living life in the moment and we swear that these demons can't hold us because we dream better dreams and they showed us and exposed every lie that they told us yeah we thanks for listening on another trips and global on wheels podcast hour special thanks to our guest craig blanchett for coming on to our podcast and for sharing with listeners how attitude is latitude special thank you also to my cousin rachel Canada for editing this episode of our podcast Look for us on Instagram where I post pictures of my fitness journey and travels. You can also find us on YouTube and see videos of fitness, travel, and disability advocacy. 
You can also follow us on Twitter at Trips and Global on Wheels. If you want to support what we're doing, please follow and like us on social media. The more we can raise awareness about these issues, the stronger we can get as a community. At Trips and Global on Wheels, we aim to build a global community of healthy, worldly, and informed individuals with disabilities and disability advocates. That means we want to hear from you, our listeners. Send us an email at tripsandglobalonwheels at gmail.com. Let us know about your favorite destinations for accessible travel. How do you stay fit to avoid chronic injuries? What languages do you prefer to describe your identity as someone with a disability? We want to provide a platform for people to share and learn from each other, so send us your stories. If you have suggestions for future guests that you would like to hear on our podcast series, please leave them in the Contact Us section of our website or post them on our Facebook page. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye.